Welcome to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the cybersecurity team at NUCO, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Your host today are me, Jake, heading up NUCO's cybersecurity division, together with my cyber colleague, Harry Baldwin. And we're delighted to be joined today by Girish Redeker, founder and CEO of compliance automation platform Sprinto. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Uh, Girish uh, leveraged his software development background to build and scale SaaS recruitment platform RecruiterBox, a very profitable venture. It grew to over 2,500 clients across India and the US and was acquired by San Francisco private equity firm Turn River Capital. Uh, over the past few years, he's embarked on his next adventure as founder of Sprinto, a cloud-delivered solution providing automated InfoSec SOC and ISO compliance. So uh, welcome again to the show, Girish. Thank you. Excited to be here. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, to get us started, we always love to ask people the same thing. How did you first get into the cybersecurity industry? Um, I think my route to cybersecurity was rather incidental. Uh, you know, uh, like you were mentioning, uh, I ran another uh, B2B SaaS company before this. And mm-hmm. uh, while we were trying to take that company up market, uh, we started getting these questions around security reviews. And, uh, you know, we tried and mm-hmm. pushed the can down the road by saying that, hey, we are on AWS and AWS is secure. So hence we are secure. And, and that didn't fly uh, too far. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, there was a point where we had to bite the bullet and, uh, you know, the uh, customers started asking us that, hey, I need a SOC to report or an ISO certificate. And uh, that's when we began our journey to get these compliances and, uh, you know, doing something uh, which is actually uh, significant from a cybersecurity perspective. And I remember that we, uh, you know, hired some consulting service to go through this process. Uh, and long story short, uh, like, uh, you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars later and mm-hmm. six months later, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And I wouldn't say it was a very pleasant experience for me uh, as an engineer who was trying to primarily build products. So, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's, my, that's my background. I, 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 I'm mostly happy when I'm building products. And, yeah. and this whole thing looked, to be perfectly honest, like a distraction. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to check that box and get it done. Um, so uh, fast forward. Uh, fast forward, we eventually, uh, you know, uh, grew the business. We we exited the business in about 2018. Uh, took about a year's break, and and when we were thinking about what next to do and some of the ideas to work on, uh, this was one of the experiences that stayed with us, where we realized that it's important, but uh, you know, there was no easy way to actually get that done. And and so my my foray into cybersecurity was uh, in a way to try and solve a problem from an engineer standpoint, which is mm. fundamentally a security problem, and that's what we try yeah. and do at my current company at Sprinto. Like my my job is to try and make cybersecurity accessible to 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 an average joe engineer who is uh, you know uh, whose main job is about building products but at the same time you want to make sure that you're secure and you're meeting some requirements that are eventually required to grow your business interesting interesting so you were kind of your target customer the the, the of the business that you then went on to create yeah excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. and and you say say we did there were there a few of you then that, that went on to 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 found uh, sprinto Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I and my co-founder both, uh, we started on and, uh, you know, some of the people who have worked with me in my previous company also ended up joining us along the journey. Interesting, interesting. Thank you so much. Uh, and what or who has been the biggest influence on your career? Uh, wow, I'm, I'm actually not much of a, uh, you know, like I don't follow uh, technology media as such. So I, I honestly do not have too many 
um, people that I follow and, and uh, you know, for example, admire with, with respect to their uh, to their achievements. Not that there are uh, there aren't such people. Of course, there are. But sure. uh, personally, the the biggest influence on my career has been my dad. Uh, like, uh, yeah, and he has had a career which is nothing to do with technology or uh, information security or anything of that sort. But uh, I think uh, a large part of what happens in your career is a lot more about your work ethic and what you bring to it than than, than the specific area that you might be working on. So I, I find myself uh, asking often, like, what would my dad do in this situation? And, and he had an immensely uh, admirable work ethic. So he's worked at one place for 30 plus years and, and wow. I, I've seen him go day in, day out. Saturdays is never called in a day sick. And, and that, that just to me is like a monumental thing to do as compared to, you know, like I, 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 I feel like I'm, la- I'm a lazy ass as compared to the kind of work ethic that you used to bring to the table. <laughs> so that to me is the biggest influence. And I'm trying to, you know, always uh, try and see if I can reach to that level. Great. Great. What an inspiration. Uh, and, and obviously close to home, right? So you're learning from a very early, learning those, uh, those values from a very early age. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you. Uh, and what achievement are you most proud of? Tough one again. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I think uh, so far, uh, the you know, just, just some background for that. Uh, yeah. Like when we started working on my previous company, we were pretty naive. Uh, we didn't know how to program for, for, for example, so so we sort of had to teach ourselves programming, uh, wow. and because uh, we were a bootstrap company, we simply couldn't afford to hire people, and uh, you know, so that was one of those things that we did where uh, we, we were literally teaching ourselves programming and building products, and we spent about two years not um, actually building anything that was worthwhile because nobody would pay for it, and, and we spent about two years before we actually built Recruiter Box was the first thing that actually wow. some, uh, we built something that people wanted. So, uh, you know, the fact that we got over that hump uh, and what was perhaps looking uh, in the hindsight is, is perhaps the most thing, the thing that I'm most proud of, uh, because it's very easy to give up during that phase. And it was extremely frustrating two, two and a half years before we actually built something that, that mm. people were ready to pay for. And I remember we had about 12 months of savings and we thought that we would, mm. we'd build something that would fly in the period and, and we we went well past that so wow <laughs> so so yeah it, it was a tough couple of years but uh thanks we uh, i'm glad just we that we that we sort of passed it absolutely oh good for you good for you and again that comes speaks to work ethic as you were talking about your um your, your father earlier interesting interesting thank you what um what perspectives does your background as a software developer give you and do you really start still find time uh, to code? Uh, not as much time as I'd like, uh, mm. you know, uh, as a founder, uh, I end up doing a lot of other things, which is over and above uh, writing code or building product. But I try to stay as close to it as possible. Uh, you know, I still lead product at the company and uh, that allows me to stay close to it. Mm. Um, I, I think your earlier question was, uh, you know, uh, what, what perspective that has helped me bring. Um, to me, uh, this is, uh, I think it's fair to say that I'm addicted to building stuff. Uh, so, mm. so, you know, like really just leave me alone. Like th- that's what I'd be doing. Like if you ask me to, uh, you know, spend a weekend and you can do whatever you can, uh, I'd probably still sit down and write code and try and build mm. like a, a mock-up or something, uh, like, like an early version of something. So, uh, and I think uh, that helps me uh, 
<clears throat> think from perspective of my customer uh, who are typically in that area. So, so I think that that really helps me. Um, specifically, being in the cybersecurity industry and being a, a programmer or a builder first, uh, uh, you know, allows me to sort of closely see this tension between. I, I, I've at least seen this in in the uh, in the companies that are customers that uh, cybersecurity is almost seen as. Uh, you know, the party poopers, they are the sort of the people who are saying, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Yeah. And, you know, if you're doing this, remember to do this and, and so on and so forth. Whereas mm. engineers are always the people who want to, you know, keep doing things, break things, do it fast and, and so on and so forth. But uh, it, it sort of gives me the balanced perspective of what's, what's important from both perspective, because I, I've been, I, I'm that person who wants to build things fast. But at the same time, I and now given the, given the space I am in, I understand the importance of uh, having the right security. Uh, practices in place and, and, you know, giving the due importance to cybersecurity. So I get mm. that balanced view, which I feel is, uh, you know, fairly unique. And I, I'm, I'm glad that I get to see both sides of the coin. Very interesting. Great answer. Great answer. So it's that push and that pull, that that move fast and break things within the confines of, or or adhering to, to proper security principles. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. So really good to hear a, a little bit about your um, past. And it'd be great to learn more about the, uh, uh, the present uh, and the future. Uh, so a few questions now. One of them is, uh, one of the much publicized advantages of the cloud is scalability. Uh, mm-hmm. But what are some of the technical challenges you witness from SaaS vendors scaling fast to meet demand? Um, yeah, so so two, two sides of the coin, right? Like I think uh, like while the cloud allows you to scale pretty fast, uh, some of the decisions that you make about how you want to scale uh, kind of get ingrained into uh, you know, uh, into your infrastructure. And those decisions are hard to change. And I've burned my fingers with this thing before. Mm. Uh, and these scars run deep. So, you know, some of the decisions about how you architect your infrastructure, um, they they stay on a lot longer than they would uh, than you'd like to believe. So I've waved my hands before around, hey, this is pretty simple. We just do it this way. And, and you know, uh, 12 months later, I, I, I just can't change those decisions anymore. So they stick on with you. The, the, the errors that you make in terms of uh, how you architect your infrastructure kind of stay longer. Uh, and this is not just, and now I have a different perspective in the sense that uh, they, they stay on a lot longer, especially from a cybersecurity perspective. So there are certain ways of architecting your infrastructure that can be a, a, a lot more painful to manage from a security standpoint mm-hmm. than other ways of doing the same thing. So uh, I, I would, I, I believe uh, uh as engineers, uh, we like to be at the bleeding edge of things and, and you know, try on new things, but they're not necessarily the best things. I, I, I've now become like a cautious engineer that way. So mm-hmm. I, I, I find myself reaching out to things that are battle tested and been around for yeah, longer. They're then sort of going after the shiny new thing that's that's out in the market and looks really exciting. And, uh, you know, so, so I, I find myself uh, becoming a little bit more old school with time. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So that, so thinking about the security from the ground up is, yeah. is, is key when you're scaling fast, yeah. right? It, it's, it's, it's really hard to push those things as an afterthought and slap it on, to, on top of whatever you already have. Interesting. Thank you. Uh, how can cyber vendors sell the positive benefits of security uh, more effectively? Um, I think one of the things that's uh, not done um, often enough or, uh, you know, as much as I'd like is to, uh, you know, think of security as a way of creating trust with your eventual customers. So any company uh, eventually has its own clients and, and their own customers. And we always try to tell the company that, hey, you should do this to, to stop a cyber attack, or you should do that in order to uh, do this. But, uh, you know, uh, that way of positioning the problem uh, is, is sort of, um, 
I mean, for a lack of a better word, is fear mongering in, in the sense that mm. what, what you're really uh, talking about is, hey, do this so that something bad doesn't happen. But there are advantages of actually maintaining your cybersecurity as a discipline in the sense that it allows you to create confidence with your customers on a daily basis. So, so what you could do is, you know, instead of thinking of cybersecurity as a defensive tactic, you could think of it as, as something that you advertise, you lead with um, when you're talking with external stakeholders that, that are mm. working with you as a company. So I'm increasingly seeing uh, a lot of uh, new savvier businesses which in the sales tech and in other places they would say that hey we take security seriously and, and this is what mm. we do in order to actually make sure that we are going to be secure so whatever data you share with us or however whenever you're working with us you don't have to be afraid of the fact that you know uh, uh, your transactions are with a company who doesn't take cybersecurity very seriously so you, mm. you go on the front foot you, you sort of talk about it more as a, a proactive step rather than uh, you know thinking about it purely in terms of risk mitigation and, and you know just talking yeah. like a bad event from happening so Mm. Uh, and I'm increasingly seeing this. It's, it's on the fringes, but it's increasing. And I feel that uh, that's something that a cybersecurity vendor, uh, you know, ought to look itself at. You know, how does using my product help you look more formidable to your customers? And, right. and that line of thinking is a very different way of thinking about it than just saying that, hey, I want to stop this bad event from happening. Yeah, interesting. It's great to hear about security leading from the front foot like that. Um, yeah. It's refreshing. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what are you most excited about for the future uh, in terms of technology? Um, uh, technology in general or cybersecurity specifically? Yeah, it's a broad question that I concede. And I guess they converge to a certain extent, right? Um, to, to perhaps specifically to technology, but more broadly, maybe tech, tech themes that you're excited about. Um, so I'm personally, uh, you know, really excited about what's going on with uh, uh, AI and machine learning. Uh, mm. You know, there, I feel that there is a uh, there is a large uh, kinds of things uh, which which we didn't think were possible are suddenly going to be possible. And if mm. if any of us have looked at the kind of images that DAL E two uh, generates, uh, or uh, you know some of the the new steps that we have taken in that those directions, those are really really uh, you know jaw dropping. And and I'm personally interested in that, and I think it's going to have uh, it, it's going to be one of those things like the internet, where you know about 20 years ago, uh, you know, like internet was this up and coming thing. And, and now mm. we sort of take it for granted. And I think we are in the, that phase of, uh, you know, AI and ML today. Yeah. And, and in about 20 to 30 years from now, that's going to be like a big change where we're going to see a bunch of things that weren't possible today being made possible by that. So personally, yeah, again, if you give me like a week off, uh, that's what I would dive into, <laughs> try and build something yeah. with AI ML. Uh, and that's one of the technologies I'm really, really excited about. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Uh, we all attended uh, RSAC in San Francisco recently. Uh, how did you find the show? I was absolutely stunned. Uh, you know, it, it was my first uh, security conference, uh, uh, and uh, I, I was just uh, blown away by the by the breadth of uh, the kind of things that people are working on in security. Uh, you know, just. Uh, uh, while there was a lot of established players who were out there and they had stalls and, and booths and, and that was interesting to just walk around like 100 booths and, and all of them working on some of the other area related to security. I was also very, uh, uh, you know, happy to see a lot of young startups who presented. I think there was like a, about 10 startups who, who presented there. Mm -hmm. and, and it was really refreshing and uh, good to see, uh, you know, young startups who are going into cybersecurity as a space and, and the kind of interesting things that they're working on. It was a complete eye opener for me. Really enjoyed cool. it. Great, thank you, thank you. And were there any ever any particular um, uh, particular innovations or technologies within cyber that you that you spotted at RSA that you think were are ones to watch? 
Um, there was this one particular piece of technology. Uh, I don't recall the name of the company who builds it, but uh, you know, there was, uh, it, which was basically about uh, hardening the browser. So, so what, what really they're doing is that you know, today if you if you look at a modern company, the, most of your work is happening through the browser. You're using one or the other SaaS tool, uh, and that's that's basically how how you're using uh, you know getting all your work done. So you're, you're doing your email over Gmail, yeah. You, um, you probably use Salesforce for your CRM. You, you're doing something else on the calendar, and all of these are just tabs inside of your browser. And, and what basically they are trying to say is that, hey, instead of uh, you know all the work that you're doing, which was about hardening your laptops, yeah, uh, sort of needs to transfer to the fact that you're now hardening your browser because increasingly with COVID, when people started going remote, nobody's actually working out of your office laptops mm. necessarily. Like people are increasingly working out of wherever your browser is present, which is pretty mm. much anywhere. And, and you know that's like the next frontier of what you need to harden and make sure. So, so they're basically building a browser that's security aware uh, and, and you know it takes care of a bunch of things and built, it's built on top of Chrome, so which is something that you already know. And so your existing Chrome plugins work and, and everything works as usual and the and, and the UI and UX is no different than what your normal mm. browser would be, but, but it just would be fundamentally a different browser. And I thought that it was an interesting take uh, you know, on, on uh, you know, on how to go about fixing the endpoint problem. So today in cybersecurity, we often talk about hardening endpoints, and then they're just going deeper inside of the endpoint and saying that, hey, inside of the endpoint, the browser is probably where 99% of your work is happening, and let's harden that. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and over to Harry, who's got some uh, uh, more questions. Thanks, Jake. And there's some great answers there, Girish. Thank you. Um, one thing that I've definitely been keen to understand is, of course, we all know about those those big Indian tech firms, you know, Tech Mahindra, Wipro, Infosys, and, and many others. We're really excited to learn a bit more about the startup scene, particularly, you know, cybersecurity in India, obviously. Um, I'd love to hear a bit more about why you think India is being talked about as such a major innovation hub for the cybersecurity industry and what the startup pre-IPO market looks like uh, over there. Um, great question. So I, I'm definitely not an expert in the area, but basically whatever I know is just viscerally, uh, you know, connecting with other founders that I see in the ecosystem. And and uh, one of the things that's really happening in India is that there is a sudden exponential increase in the just the sheer number of startups that you see in the space. And, uh, you know, and they've sort of entered mainstream, so to speak. So you take a national daily and uh, or, or uh, and there's basically a page which is dedicated to startups and, and the funding rounds that have happened and, and, and what's going on over there. So I remember at the time when we started our previous company, it was back in 2008 and I didn't know that what I was doing was a startup. Like we thought we were just doing a business and, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the word startup hadn't entered our vocabulary yet. yet. And, and, you know, we were just uh, doing a business and it happened to be a software business. And, and that's the way we looked at it. And, and fast forward to about 14 years later, uh, you know, the, uh, it, it's really definitely entered like the uh, the mainstream, um, uh, you know, uh, mind space. Uh, people talk about it. It's it's very common. It's it's like uh, you know my neighbor next door in my apartment is uh, is another startup founder. So so you know the especially in some places like Bangalore and uh, Pune and uh, uh, Gurgaon and some places there are startup hubs and and it's very common for you to find uh, startups over there, and and that sort of brushes over uh, you know any aspect of startups. Uh, so you have a very thriving consumer startup business, but you know we have a lot of B two B startups as well, and uh, you know that that sort of touches cybersecurity as well. So, so I'm seeing a lot of interesting cybersecurity startups uh, coming up from the from the country, including uh, those who are working in spaces like privacy. Uh, some of them were working in spaces uh, related to uh, you know password protection and so on and so forth. So uh, uh, th- that sort of rubs on to pretty much all the spaces that you can think of uh, that makes sense in a B two B software scenario. 
Yeah, fascinating. Thank you for that overview. It's really interesting. Um, now to cover another topic that's obviously very important, and that's diversity. Um, what changes or improvements have you seen um, personally in, in, in diversity during your career? Um, again, uh, my, my my take on this is uh, very anecdotal. Uh, so I don't know if that, that counts as statistically significant or not. But, uh, you know, uh, increasingly seeing uh, a lot more people from parts of the country where uh, you know you, you wouldn't hire those people or you wouldn't even see them in your pipeline but but we we, we actually start seeing more and more of those people in our interviews and, and I've actually uh, you know joined the company and that uh, that doesn't necessarily mean in terms of gender but but also in terms of the areas that they come from uh, the kind of backgrounds that they come from uh, the kind of uh, industries that they were working in before uh, and, and I'm seeing a lot of upheaval happening there and again that's that's kind of uh, uh, you know a trait of a, 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 a of, of startups gathering pace in India. So it's attracting people from all over the place, like people who have been artists before, people who have not done any programming before or not been associated with technology in any way before, like they're sort of starting getting sucked into, you know, the startup scene. And I, I'm, I'm for one very excited for that. So, so, you know, from a diversity standpoint, I think it argues well. Uh, I, I've seen people whose parents have been farmers, uh, you know, who, who, who basically uh, starting to do something in the startup scene and the tech tech scene. So really glad for that. Oh, that's exciting. I'm, I'm super glad to hear. It's always great to have a kind of variety of opinion, obviously. Um, and where do you feel on that? I mean, where do you feel the bottlenecks are and, and what can be done, do you think, to continue improving? I think um, I think at the core of it, right, uh, one of the things that helps uh, diversity uh, fundamentally is uh, you, you know, when you're hiring is not based on pedigree, uh, but it's it's actually based on potential. And uh, like, I'll qualify what I mean by that. Like, you know, what, what really ends up happening is uh, if you think about hiring uh, normally, uh, you have some or the other proxy for uh, what you what you count as potential, right? So, so it could be okay. These universities are great, and anybody who's learned there is is like a great fit. Or, or some of these companies are great, and, and if somebody's worked there and they are a great fit, or you know, you have this item on the resume, and they, they are going to great, uh, they, they are basically a great fit. And and turns out that these proxies eventually are just uh, you, you know they are just exactly that they are proxies. They are not exactly the way that tells you that whether the person is going to be successful at the job or not. And I think the farther you move away from proxies and you actually start talking about the, the, the capabilities of the person themselves, um, you know, the, the better your hiring process becomes. And then naturally you start seeing that, you know, uh, you start uh, uh, getting people who are uh, of more diverse backgrounds because now you're not, uh, you know, the, not everybody could go to a certain university or work at a certain job or, or, or do certain specific things that uh, which are the proxies that you're looking for. So I think the, the more a hiring process goes towards actually measuring capabilities and potential rather than uh, depending on proxies. And, and to be honest, that's a hard thing to do because the the yeah. easiest thing for a recruiter to do is saying that, hey, you tell me uh, you know, the keywords and I'll look for them in the resume <laughs> and everything else, everybody else fails the screening. And, and I think that's the step at which uh, you know, we need to do more work uh, on educating uh, how to screen better and, and how to look for uh, capabilities and potential rather than just proxies of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, that's a great point. Um, so kind of moving on, I'm sure everyone would like on the podcast would love to learn a bit more about you outside of work. Um, something which we always love to ask is, is what would be your, what would be your perfect weekend? What would, what would you do on your perfect weekend? Um, perfect weekend would be, yeah, I'll just spend more time with my son. 
Uh, wow. He's he's five. Uh, I don't think I get enough time to play with him. Uh, and he's growing every hour that I don't spend with him. So that that'll be uh, that that's what I'll spend most of my time on. Yeah. Absolutely. No, glad to hear. Glad All to right. hear. Family is obviously super important. Um, and now onto something onto something a bit of fun here. We would like to we love to do a quick fire round. Mm-hmm. Um, no clues here. You'll need to need to think on your feet. Um, so, uh, would you say you triumphed in lockdown or failed in lockdown? Triumphed. Triumphed. Rock music or classical? Rock. Nice. A- Apple or Microsoft? Apple. Mountain peaks or bright white beach? Bright white beach. And what is your favorite game or sport to watch and play? Cricket. Cricket, nice. Um, sports car or camper van? Sports car. Thank you. Well, no, interesting. Thank you. Um, and one thing we always like to ask our guests, our final question is always the same. Uh, what one piece of advice would you give to someone entering the industry? Um, I think I, I touched upon this a little earlier, uh, you know, uh, which is uh, if you're entering the cybersecurity industry and you obviously have a goal of making sure that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're plugging holes and, and making sure that uh, things remain safe. Uh, but it's also uh, uh, important to, to sort of turn that around and say that, okay, what happens as a result of you, those, those bad things not happening and, and try and paint a picture along those picture, uh, along those lines. Because eventually anybody in the cybersecurity industry has to work with other stakeholders, whether that's people, operations, uh, that's engineering, that's product or marketing and sales. And, and they, they have a very different a viewpoint to this whole thing and so to turn around the story and explain it in a manner that uh, hey you need to do this because this helps us company how uh, you know and if you, if you start off uh, start thinking about it and those those things you'll get a lot further along in, in getting buy-in around the things that you're trying to do so uh, you know my, my, my personal mission is to try and make cybersecurity look uh, less like a party pooper and more like something that's actually <laughs> important uh, and uh, you know not just uh, uh, like the parent who says don't do that no 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 not this that mm. and, and uh, but but someone who is actually encouraging you to do things better and I think uh, uh, you know if, if you have that attitude the, you, I think it, uh, the, the next decade of cybersecurity is going to be about companies and products and people who enable that. Absolutely. Fantastic. No, that is an excellent answer. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for your time, Girish. It's great to hear all your thoughts and insight and, and a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much. Ari. Thanks, Jake. Uh, I was, uh, I'm really excited to be here and I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.